Welcome to this episode of Athletic Training Chat. This episode we have Corey Wenzel, who is an athletic trainer at UW Lacrosse with us and also does some physician extending in the area as we've continued to develop that role and what that can entail. Uh, we actually talked to Corey about all the different roles that he's been in, working at both small and large high schools, transitioning to the collegiate setting, how things have had to change in terms of his rehabilitation techniques, how he manages things, kind of the triage that goes into all those different areas. Uh, Corey provides a lot of great insight when it comes to those things. And if you're looking at going into a high school or you're potentially there and maybe struggling because the high school is big, he offers some pretty unique insight into how to manage that. Along with that, Corey uh, has been in the athletic training profession for over a decade now and just has seen a lot and has brought a lot of valuable assets to UWL that we highly appreciate and we look forward to seeing uh, where things go in the future. Check out this episode with Corey Wenzel. Okay, let's let's get started. Um, welcome to this episode of AT Chat. We are sitting here in, we'll call it a lab in Mitchell Hall that got kind of created out of nothing, but it works out for the time being. We'll have to, if you're watching the video, you can see all the coolers and whatnot in the <laughs> background. It's kind of a catch-all storage, but we are here with Corey Wenzel, um, who is an athletic trainer obviously um, kind of the point of the show but um we've gotten to work with Corey for the past we'll call it three years because it's basically gonna be that by the when it's all said and done um got i think i think we personally got extremely lucky um with Corey coming over it's actually kind of a funny story um to a degree on how that all worked out but yeah we're gonna talk to Corey today about all the different clinical experiences he's had and just how that's adopted or how he's adopted what he does to that from working at a pretty big high school to working with just a single team to doing all the stuff that he does in the clinic so without further ado Corey you want to get some just background for the people sure uh graduated in uh May of 2006 uh from Winona State University with a bachelor's degree in exercise science with an emphasis in athletic training uh, from there uh, I my first job out of school was over in Fond du Lac Wisconsin um, working with Agnesian Healthcare covering mainly Fond du Lac High School as well as Oakfield High School which if any of you know Fond du Lac and Oakfield High School um, polar opposites in terms of size Fond du Lac very big one of the bigger schools in the state of Wisconsin, and Oakfield, probably one of the smallest. I actually um, stumbled upon a blog article Corey wrote when he was at that position. <laughs> yep. We'll definitely link that link that up. It was good. I liked it. <clears throat> uh, so I was there for uh, about 10 years or so, uh, give or take. Uh, then I believe in, what would have been in 2015, 2016, 2016, I think, October. Yeah. Uh, ended up coming over to uh, University of Wisconsin Lacrosse, which the reason that I was came had come over here. Uh, my wife uh, actually had 
been given a great career opportunity, um, but the position that she was offered um, was not in within driving distance, we'll say, to Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. It would have been a, about a three-hour drive one <laughs> way for her to get to work every day. Um, so because she had made the trip for me over to the other side of the state, I said, hey, if this is that good for you, then let's go ahead and get it done. Uh, and I was there for her. Uh, luckily for me, this uh, position at uh, UW Lacrosse was open, and we were desperate to fill it. We were just, <laughs> we were hoping to find someone so, and not having much luck. Bef- before I was I was going back and forth probably for a week. Like, oh, I don't really know if I want a part time gig. You know, I kind of just. Well, and it was classified as research intern, so you didn't actually have yep, any idea so that, what it was. That kind of threw me for a loop too. Like, man, I really don't know if I want to be doing a whole <laughs> lot of research, and if that's really what this is, then I'm gonna be doing a complete 180 from what I'm doing. <laughs> Um, but I applied anyways, just because <clears throat> I c- couldn't be over in Fond du Lac with my wife and my son over here um, in Lacrosse, uh, which is in a plethora of AT positions on the regular. There's right. a lot of ATs, but they don't always yep. open up. Right, and it just being October, it's if you know the profession at all, it's not not a time of the year to be looking for jobs. Right. Usually things are set in stone, and uh, you kind of go from there. Um, and positions generally don't open up until late spring early summer um, so it wasn't a great time to be looking for job opportunities but applied uh, was hired started I think my first day was uh, Halloween as I say it was right around November 1 yeah, I remember, I, remember yep. That. Yep. Yeah. I think it was October 31st now that I remember because I know yeah, it was right at, we covered women's basketball by committee yep <laughs> to get until you got here yep yep um, so got here uh, was working with primarily women's hoops that first year Helped out a little bit with football um, it, the following fall, uh, that spring as, as well. Um, and kind of the rest is history, I guess. Been been working with um, those two sports ever since. Um, about a year ago, started working as a phys- physician extender with our team physician and clinic. Um, so I've been kind of doing a little bit of everything um, from when I first started from now to the present present time. So I guess that would be my like first big question on it is I have only worked with like a specific team in my career, like dedicated to one team, never in a high school setting. And the one time high school rotation I had, it was very quiet. So it wasn't like mm-hmm. the influx where you could actually spend some time with people. Um, I can only imagine because what's how big is final like how how many athletes do you think they got to have? Um, probably close to 500 athletes, I, was, give yeah, or so. I was going to imagine it was that much. Just like, how do you triage that In turn, and still, you know, do what you would deem a, a good job and knowing you and your affinity it's, for rehab? It's, it's very, very difficult at times. Um, there's never really a time of year where, where things are slow, that's for sure. Um, but you know, you, you do what you can, you try and treat every individual as though like, so every individual that comes in, you're trying to give them the best care possible, regardless of what they're doing or what their story is or anything. Um, but it's trying to be very efficient with your time. Um, I was lucky enough that, uh, when I was at, uh, that school over in Fond du Lac, um, I was lucky enough that administration kind of supported 
me coming in that last hour of their their day, their school day. Certain kids would have study hall. Certain kids would be have a senior release period or whatever. Right. Um, that we could get a lot of that um, work done during that last hour um, of classes, um, and then they would get to practice on time. And then, you know, with there there being limited gym space at every school, here's no different. Um, you know, you have three three boys teams and three girls teams trying to practice in the gym all at the same time it doesn't really work that well so generally it's broken up teams will go early and then uh, other teams will go late so that kind of helps break up when everybody's practicing Um, the times where it gets really tough would be uh, the fall and spring because everybody's either outside Mm -hmm. if the weather if Mm -hmm. weather permits or everybody's inside if the weather doesn't cooperate Um, so those are really the the trying times where it seems like everybody um, just needs things right away. Um, it kind of helps with when, uh, you have teams that are on the road, they generally leave early before that, that last bell sounds. Um, so you can get a lot of that, them taken care of and out the door before the rush comes in. Um, it kind of helps, I guess, tri- helps you triage the rush and knowing what's going to be coming in. Um, and then it never seems to, uh, fail there's always a curveball that's thrown in that some kid gets hit in the head during right. that, that last period gym class that oh you got to go help out with that um but it's definitely definitely very fast paced and you're you're never bored at a school that the size of Fond du Lac yeah I got so many specific questions but so did you ever try and go like I don't know if templated is the right word but like kind of like standardized maybe is a better word like rehab type things just because of the difficulty like and that you can transition this even into like now where women's basketball is a group of 18 right and you've got at least two if not more athletic training students with it so the ratio obviously gets down where you know changing up treatment plans and rehabs on a whim isn't a big deal right but in something like that i could only imagine a the organization of it Mm-hmm. and the documentation which was kind of the, another part of that question but like that, my mind just starts spinning trying to think about like you know it, are you handing kind of a standardized plan out that's maybe not the same thing every day but at least is to a degree in order to try, try and make your life a little easier or? yeah so uh, a lot of what I would do and we'll just throw out ACL, an ACL injury um, like and with me there were there were a a couple seasons there where it was rough going um, for for our athletes. I just had a lot that I was working with um, in terms of knee in, in issues and and whatnot. Um, but it it would kind of take be taking those individuals through um, those standard exercises. What I would want them to do every day, they would come in, and I would just be able to say, "Yep, let's let's do your standard." We'll just say call them hip exercises, um, whatever that might be every day. And then once they're done with that, I would generally have them, if I wanted to work with them in more of a focused one-on-one type of setting, I would get through my rush, which would, you know, anywhere from a half an hour to an hour and a half, just depending on how the time of year and everything. They would go and um, kind of be at practice doing whatever they were able to do um, and then when I was free, I would come and get them, and I would take them through a little bit more structured, focused um, 
exercise instruction or whatever that whatever that was for that day um and in that uh, it wasn't necessarily writing out um like here in, in the sbc you have structured lifting programs that are written out for every athlete well in advance it was very much so okay what does this week look like for you um working with um any physical therapist they may be seeing um for said condition too with because uh, working at a high school you just you can't you can't do everything at the school yourself right. it's just not possible mm-hmm. um and just knowing when to send this person to therapy or that person to therapy or to see this physician or that physician and really balancing that and then working with those other healthcare professionals i think was uh kind of what helped helped me help again back to the whole triage everything and how you go through things on a day-to-day basis yeah so i just got a quick question <laughs> so with all this going on did you ever have like students come from like either high school programs or colleges in the area so i did have um there were there were always high school kids um that were interested in athletic training and just i mean would spend more time in the training room mm-hmm. um they really didn't get to do a whole lot of much of anything i think they were more or less there for maybe the social atmosphere <laughs> at sometimes um but nevertheless had at least expressed an interest in it and if nothing else, we would be uh, talking about anatomy stuff and everything with them that they would, might be learning in school and everything. And mm-hmm. um, a few of the comments are, you know, that they've just learned so much more um, just in regards to anatomy that it, they just didn't necessarily get that level of it mm-hmm. um, going through classes. But um, so when I was uh, over over in Fond du Lac, I was actually a preceptor for uh, UW Oshkosh as well. Um so I had a, a couple of students come down um, from there um, that I was working with and everything. So um, that was only for maybe a season or two, and then okay. it generally would uh, kind of die down. And just with the way that the environment and, and everything in the training room, um, I had kind of stopped doing that. It okay. just wasn't a great learning environment at that point, and they had uh, closer schools where it wasn't a 15- to 20-minute drive for those students to come down and mm-hmm. – um, essentially spend the gas money to come all the way down they'd get the same experience right up in in Oshkosh because we were a couple bigger schools up there too that they could um, do clinical rotations and everything at so um, it wasn't always me working with each individual um, athlete uh, but I would say probably 95 Mm percent was was me directly working with them (laughs) every day yeah wow so how has that shifted working with a team of 18? Oh, man. Um, well, I actually know everybody's name on the team, <laughs> which is a plus. Uh, it only takes me about a week to really know everybody um, with the new freshmen and everything coming in um, versus in uh, when I was covering high school, it seemed like, yeah, you, you knew names uh, of quite a few kids, but a lot of them and just the way that my brain works is you – get to know injuries and then the you know the kids because everybody knows who you are um but you don't necessarily know everybody by name you get to know them by injury um which there were quite a few times where kids would come in and man they'd look so familiar and i couldn't for the life of me (laughs) remember their name and then i would just out out of the blue say oh yeah you had the how's your ankle doing or whatever um, that we were working right. on, 
you know, last season or whatever, and they're like, oh, you actually remember that? And I was like, yeah. I'd. That's like the only so, way I get to know most of the new football guys, <laughs> just because you don't interact with them directly. Yep. And I, I and with their helmets on. And I, I always, me personally, I felt bad for, for doing that, but right. I always, you know, made made sure to let them know, hey, that's absolutely nothing. That, 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 at that point, it's a me thing, and that's just how my brain works, and I get to know injuries really well, and there's so many of you every day. I'm seeing, you know, 60 kids um, after school. It's just very difficult, mm-hmm. um, especially, I mean, working with two schools and everything too. It's not always the same people every single day, which right. I was lucky enough being at Fond du Lac. Um, I was there after school five days a week, so that that's kind of an anomaly covering high school athletics um, with a lot of, uh, I guess, division, the bigger bigger division schools, you'll get the five-day-a-week coverage. Uh, but a lot of the smaller schools only get two, maybe three days a week um, coverage. And like Oakfield, that was, you know, covering uh, their lunch hour just to check in with injuries and right. help progress rehabs. Yep. And, okay, this is what you got to do for the next couple of days, you know, and then maybe get their home football games covered. Right. Um, so very different um, in terms of what's covered and, and how much you can actually provide each each athlete at each school. So, but yeah, working with a smaller team, it's definitely much easier um, to get to know them. Uh, one on a on an injury basis, but two on a personal basis too. I mean, you see the same group of 15 to 20 athletes on a day-to-day basis, um, and kind of get to know their story a little bit more too. So, I'm gonna backtrack just a little bit because I forgot I had this in there. So you kind of referenced it, you know, like it was the anomaly of being at the school five days a week where mm-hmm. some only get two or three. Um, I know my sister does that where it's more of like, she's driving around to like check in Yep. in essence. I've seen, and you guys can comment on it, obviously what you ever using to, you know, just more and more about like, there was an article is not having an athletic trainer in high school is negligence is, you know, so kind of with that, like is one ATC in a high school enough like at this point, is it becoming like the necessity or does it need to be more? Like, wh- what are your thoughts on it? Again, because I don't have any direct experience with it. Yeah. Um, the one I did that the girl that was there, uh, the woman that was there was there daily mm-hmm. um, as part of her thing and covered pretty much every home event, I'm, I think. Yeah. At, um, at, at t- different times of the year, um, I would say that one is sufficient but again there's those with again i'm only speaking because i was at fond du lac with them in the winter having wrestling boys basketball girls basketball hockey both boys and girls hockey like all of that's going on and it's there there would be some nights where there would be a home basketball event a home hockey event and home wrestling on the same night all starting at the same time, all different venues. <laughs> so I would argue that you need at least three to cover that right. sufficiently. Right. You know, and then, oh, by the way, we would throw in a, a big home swim meet or whatever to try and just add more more wrinkles and everything and just, like, just things like that. Um, I mean, one, from a triage standpoint, a day-to-day covering practice and everything, I think one is sufficient, but – Again, less than five day a week coverage. I don't think that's necessarily adequate. Um, we made it made it work over in Fond du Lac. Actually, the majority of the schools that we covered um, through the clinic 
that I worked at uh, actually got two to three day a week coverage. Um, Fond du Lac was the outlier and th- that they got five days a week. Um, and then Oakfield was on the opposite end right. outlier uh, getting the, the lunch hour coverage um, and then home football game coverage. Um, but that, that was when I was over there, that was kind of one of my goals to kind of start moving towards it, eventually trying to just create um, other things that athletic trainers could do um, and other opportunities for us so that we could hire more staff and essentially put one person at each school and then that wouldn't wouldn't equate to uh, 1.0 FTE. Right. And then we would just be able to play with hours, and they'd be doing other tasks and everything right. for the, the organization and everything. That was the ultimate mm-hmm. goal. Right. Makes it, sense. Yeah, it never really got the traction that I like to see or anything when I was over there. Uh, and I believe just from my, my colleagues still working over there, I think it's roughly the same model as when I left. Um, but yes, ultimately across the whole state, it would be ideal to have at least one at every single high school, um, yeah, that's five gotta, days a week, but it's gotta be hard because like you said, what do you do when you have the person that's there, but there's three events plus there's mm-hmm. the other school that you're trying to get from two to three days a week to yeah. five days, but they also got a bunch of events too. Yep. I, I, this is almost going to be like impossible to like even go through, but you almost have to hold like the organization to a degree is like you guys you can't schedule mm-hmm. seven it, things on the same night which it, but then at the same time you probably also don't want to schedule one thing every night right and so it and we were such a hard thing to balance i ran into that even we'd send people to three different locations for meets right well there's only two of us working with the team yep that the numbers don't work right. like and you're sending an injured person yeah. <laughs> to each thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what you want. So. Yeah. And there, I mean, from a scheduling standpoint, a majority of the time we were lucky enough that most of the schools that we covered all played in the same conference. So it, that helped mm-hmm. from a scheduling standpoint. Mm-hmm. For sure. If the, if the boys basketball team was over there, the girls basketball team was over here. Um, and it just kind of worked out. Um, you but there were back to back. You could do that too. Um, but again, with with high school level, it's uh, you have to remember that there's a freshman team, a JV team, right. and a varsity team, and all right. three of them have to play on the same That's night. That's true. Yep. And so that yep. just creates other other issues. Um, again, working at Fond du Lac because of the anomaly, once in a while we would play a back to back with one of the Oshkosh schools. Uh, the boys and girls would both come down, or we would both go up uh, because we had the gym space. We actually had a separate accessory gym oh, that we okay. could we would put the freshman games in the jv games would be going on yeah we played before the varsity games school when i was so <laughs> um back in the day but there were definitely definitely times where it was it made scheduling very difficult that would not be unheard of for us to have 14 events to try and cover between everybody um we did not have 14 staff right available to work um so it was getting kind of creative with coverage. Okay, this game starts early enough. You can cover this one, but then make it to this seven o'clock mm-hmm. game. Um, so you end up making do with what you what you can. And once in a while, you'd get late to an event, and you would let everybody know prior to that happening um, that that might be the case. But as soon as you were there, then everything was you'd take care of it at that time. Right. So. Mm-hmm. 
Saying that kind of goes back to stuff we were learning about in class where if you're at a high school where you aren't able to always have like an athletic trainer at every single event, having coaches at least like first aid, CPR certified. It's the yep. same thing to we least, deal with yeah, here. To be able yeah. to hold down the fort until you're able to like get there and someone contacts right. you. Right. So you make things work. Right. And if anything is really ever truly that bad, um, there's other than having the medical degree there, mm-hmm. um, there's not much more that I'm going to do that a coach can't do mm-hmm. right, other than right. call mm-hmm. 911 and get yeah. that get that ball rolling and everything. Unfortunately, I think that gets forgotten sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, not I'm not trying to belittle what we do because obviously I think we do quite a bit. But oh it's, yeah, you know if somebody sprains an ankle and you're not there, like I get it. It sucks and it hurts and you know right. all the different things. But the odds of that going significantly sideways and going very very terrible are pretty small and it while mm-hmm. yes it's not perfect it's also not the complete and utter end of the world right which i think sometimes is lost yeah <laughs> um kind of transitioning to the latest part of your career um physician extending i yeah. think in my knowledge of it it's been something that's been coming along for a while you did some of that in Fond du Lac, too. We we were trying to get that. We're working that on was that one model. of the one of the things that we were trying to get that model uh, going. We had uh, orthopedic support and everything, and just for whatever reason, the the wheel stopped turning, and we didn't really have a whole lot of traction. Um, just as a way to find other things for athletic trainers to be able to to do for the organization, just because we can do so many things. Um, but that ultimately it didn't get there um, when I was over there. So what do you see as some of the biggest benefits to having athletic trainers in that role that you, A, were trying to implement, B, are currently implementing, and C, just kind of where you think it could potentially go? Um, I mean, there's a, there's a lot that uh, we can do. Um, and just making making processes more efficient, um, just our thought process in general, is very much so that of a, of an orthopedic trained um, physician. Um, so having us in that physician extender type of role, um, we're operating on the same wavelength essentially, and we can talk the same language and work through the same stuff. Um, you know, we can offload uh, those tasks for the physician that isn't necessarily, and I don't want to say that they're beneath a physician to do, um, but he, a physician could be um, doing things that are more beneficial to the clinic from a billing standpoint. And Trying to optimize money. the process. Right. Um, and just making things, uh, I guess, more streamlined um, and that effect, um, you know, to be able to very efficiently see an individual, make, you know, not be disrespectful of the the patient's time when they're in seeing you um, in clinic. Um, I mean, we're very fluent in, uh, you know, the rehab side of things um, as well. So there's not many uh, physician clinics that uh, you would be able to essentially go to um, that they would in turn be able to get you the exact correct exercises for you to start working on said condition that you Mm -hmm. have. Um, And that's just another thing that we bring to the table. 
um, that I think like a uh, medical assistant or anybody else that would be working in, in roles similar to that um, wouldn't be able to bring. Um, I guess in, in uh, sorry, just trying to. Trying no, to, that just seemed like <laughs> a deep thought. No, <laughs> trying to trying to remember back to the to the original question, I guess. Um, but just being able to um, essentially make things that much more efficient for everybody involved, um, it just allows the physician to see more individuals on a day-to-day -day basis um, versus seeing a full caseload be being double booked throughout the day multiple times and it doesn't even feel like you're double booked because it just run things run so smooth mm -hmm. um it is a big um big reason to have a, have athletic trainers and in, in working in the clinic directly um with a physician sounds good any other questions i don't think so you I got do. anything else you want to Oh, I was going to say. Oh, we've got more more I, questions. Oh no, I, I I do like the fact that the physician day is very very much so structured. That oh yeah. You know that yeah. this patient is coming in at this time and this mm -hmm. time and this time, and you can do your back end work and everything before they get there, and not knowing when everything is right. coming in and who's coming in with what, and mm -hmm. that's that's a big difference. Um, it covering I go back and forth on that covering <laughs> high school to college yeah. and. I mean, yeah, to some degree, you know what's coming in, but you never really know when it's coming in, and it never fails that everybody's going to come in at the same time because everybody's friends outside of, and, you know, <laughs> heaven forbid we, we travel to the athletic training room or uh, athletic training center or whatever, you know, individually and plan ahead. It's definitely an afterthought, yeah. I feel, sometimes. but I enjoy the randomness of it because it always keeps it, interesting but at the same time it's just like when that happens you're just like holy hell yeah. how is this even a, <laughs> yep, yep. like how is this a thing it, it, I, I i like both worlds it's nice to right. have that it's nice to have that unstructuredness not really knowing when it's going to happen but it's also nice to be able to go and have that structure too yeah i mm -hmm. can i can so see that all right the at chat questions i got on the first one welcome you got them memorized Couple of them. Couple of them. <laughs> so first one is, what does being an athletic trainer mean to you? Uh, being an athletic trainer to me means uh, being able to help those individuals um, and uh, specifically uh, athletes or now talking position extender role patients um, that are in need uh, and really get them back to what they want to do. Um, you know, whether that's on the athletic side, whether that's, you know, get them better to the point that they can go and take their dog for a walk right. or whatever the case mm -hmm. may Play be. Play with their kids. Right. Um, that's really, really what it comes down to. Um, and just to kind of piggyback on that, um, I'll never forget the first, so the first year that I was um, working in the high school, uh, probably three games into our football season, starting quarterback goes down with a shoulder injury and I'm sitting there, you know, kind of panicking a little bit, new grad, um, doing it for the first time. Like, Oh man, how the heck am I going to tell coach? He might not have his quarterback for next week <laughs> and whatever started just working through everything during the week with him and was able to get him to a point that he could throw a few of the passes. Luckily for us that we had a fairly decent team around him that we didn't have to rely on him. 
Um, but we were able to get him uh, to a place that he could play and be functional playing. Um, and so we, you know, let him go. And so comes game day and went through warm-ups. And I think the other team had the ball first. And as soon as we got the ball, like, he's standing right next to me, starts running out on the field, stops like five yards out on the field, turns around and comes walking back to me. And I'm just like, <laughs> what's going on? Like, this is not, this isn't how it's this supposed wasn't to part go. Of the plan. <laughs> and he stuck his hand out and shook my hand and said, thank you. That's awesome. Literally yeah. every, all the extra work that I put in during the week just to try and get him to play. And from then on, um, every game that year, he thanked me before every single game just That's because cool. we continued yeah. to, and I will never forget it. And it's something so, so small, but it means so much right. to know that they actually appreciate that, mm-hmm. that much instead of just, okay, I'm here to, you know, right, right. You, that's your job here, to take care me. of me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and I've had other athletes, <laughs> you know, in the past years that have done similar things right. and, um, whatnot, but being that 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 happened the first year that I was doing it I mean it just definitely stuck with me cool um ever since then so if you're watching the video you know who you are (laughs) (laughs) so then kind of segueing off that idea what advice would you give yourself as a young athletic trainer um so coming out I uh coming out of undergrad um I feel and I feel that every athletic trainer goes to this to some degree Um, I know I went through it. Uh, Again, I can't speak to everybody in the profession, but I think it's kind of standard practices that you, um, now that you're off practicing on your own um, without having to check in with anybody specifically, um, you almost feel an obligation to be able to figure everything out Mm -hmm. and you should know everything. So you should be able to get everybody better. Um, Just knowing that you can't, get everybody better and knowing when to pull a trigger on hey this person's got to get seen or you need they need more structured one-on-one you know therapy or whatever that is um just knowing that and knowing that you can't save the world um you can do do your part but to work with everybody to get those athletes those patients to to where they want to be at it's not doesn't just fall on your shoulders um and i know that there were plenty of times where i probably should have sent somebody in that i didn't i mean ultimately it worked out in the end anyways um but could have we got gotten that individual there quicker if i would have sent them in maybe um and likewise there probably are times where i've sent somebody in that didn't need to be sent in either i kind of the street it's a two-way street um, from that standpoint, but just kind of knowing where that fine line is and where to walk it and how, you know, how many people or who you're sending in or when to send those people in um, for additional help because it, a lot of times just with their, again, with their schedule and everything, um, it's not necessarily, especially working at a high school, um, it's not going to jive with yours, especially if it's, and we'll just take, the spring season, as an example, baseball, softball, rainouts, and reschedules, well, everything gets pushed back to the last three weeks of the season, and now they're on the road for, you don't see them for three weeks, but they're still dealing with a set, set injury, whatever that may be. Um, so that just makes it difficult to, to get them better, to treat them the way that they need to be treated. So at that point, it probably would have been more beneficial to that 
we'll just call them a baseball player to get um, that further medical attention than what you could provide them. Mm-hmm. Solid advice. What has been one of the most influential resources that you found in your career? Oh man, um, I don't have one Such specific a selfish question. I don't have one specific um, individual resource. I would, if if I were to say one specific, I would just, in general, say just the, all the colleagues that I've worked with, um, regardless of being over in Fond du Lac or here now at UWL. Um, everybody, uh, orthopedic physicians, anybody, um, they've just always been there to bounce ideas off of, um, you know, and open my eyes to things that I had never thought of, um, in the past. Um, specific example of always, um, at the high school level, you always throw ice on everything, uh, cause that's what you have and that's the, the way of thinking. Um, and then coming here i mean just working specifically with football we don't really ice a whole lot of things well why do you do that and i honestly had never really thought about it until i got here um and now there's not not a lot that i will throw an ice bag on and it's whether it's right wrong or otherwise i mean ultimately the individual gets to the end result with or without that bag of ice it's just how Mm -hmm. do you go about getting them to that end result um so, I, yeah, just in general, I would say all my colleagues being there to bounce ideas off of, whether it's the concussion athlete, you know, the patient in the clinic, talking to an orthopedic physician, um, physical therapist, whatever the case may be. Um, so not one specific individual, um, I guess more a collection of individuals. Hmm. So then kind of going off that, if you could eliminate one thing from the field of athletic training or change, whether it's like a modality or a common practice, what would it be? Um, I would say, and this kind of also piggybacks back to the advice to the young athletic trainer myself, if I could look back in the mirror, <laughs> um, to just eliminate the three sets of 10 exercises. Like, that, what is that? <laughs> um, there's a time and a place for it. I get it. But are we really doing each individual athlete or patient any favors by just, yep, three sets of 10 that, and you'll be good? I would argue that we're really not because we don't ever do that in the weight room. So if we're applying those strength and conditioning principles to strength, power, endurance, one rep max, all that stuff, if we're applying it to rehab, which is, I feel is what we should be doing, you know, I mean, it, so I would get rid of that. Um, and just to think about it, think about what the end result is supposed to be before you give the prescription of Mm -hmm. three sets of 10 for everything. Yeah. So, and yes, three sets of 10 is very easy for everybody (laughs) to remember athletes included. And sometimes you run into the case where, man, I just don't know if they would be able to remember anything but three sets of 10 (laughs) and that's okay too. But, um, to be able to think about it, uh, more in depth, I guess, and really know what you're trying to get out of that. Right. Having the intention of what the goal is and yes. how to get there. Yep. Yeah. Gonna, yes. <laughs> Last one. Uh, where do you see the athletic training profession going in the next five to 10 years? Uh, hopefully, uh, the profession will, uh, at least open up, uh, not the profession itself, but um, I guess healthcare, the delivery of healthcare, um, athletic training in general will be working more towards those untraditional or non-traditional settings. 
So physician extending in the clinic, um, industrial setting, um, there, I mean, there's a, again, a lot of things that we can do. Um, and just throwing out the industrial, th uh, setting and everything, uh, making sure that ergonomics are, um, efficient for everybody that, you know, doing the same task every single day to help eliminate injury, setting up programs that people can, um, essentially train their body to be able to do that, um, that task re repetitively day in and day out and not get injured as a result. Um, there's a lot of value in that. Um, <clears throat> we did that to some extent over in Fond du Lac, but I would, I hope, my hope is that, that, uh, athletic training really does, uh, that we are able to kind of kick down the door and say, you know, we are a, uh, medical and allied healthcare, you know, profession that is fully capable of bringing all of this stuff to the table, utilize us, you know, use us in these non-traditional roles and let's really, you know, open that, that up for everybody. Awesome. Cool. Anything else you wanted to share? I don't, didn't have anything specific. No. If you want, you're kind of like dark on the interwebs, but if people wanted <laughs> to find you, did you I, have any contact information? I, I am kind of dark on the interwebs. Uh, I do have Facebook, um, <laughs> although I don't respond to Facebook Messenger or anything like that, and I couldn't tell you the last time I posted anything. Sweet. Um, I actually get yelled at a lot at home. Um, my wife gives me a hard time about not liking her posts and everything. I, so I don't even no idea really, what that's like. I don't even really do that much. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to throw throw you under the bus, um, uh, Aaron. Um, but uh, you, you can email me, uh, cmwencl0269 at gmail.com is my own personal email. Come straight to my phone. Uh, don't have an Instagram, don't have any other social media accounts, so... Yes, very. I'm a very old soul <laughs> when it com when it comes to that. So ah, there's nothing wrong with that, <laughs> especially this day and age. I think. Awesome. Well, thanks, Gore. Yeah. Cool. Thanks Thank for you. having me. Yeah. Yep.